Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have Luis Gallardo. He is the founder and president of the World Happiness Foundation and the World Happiness Fest, author of the Happy Tolism and the Exponential of Happiness, director of the Gross Global Happiness Program at the United Nations University for Peace. So without any further delay, I'm looking forward to speaking to my friend, Luis. Hello, Dylan. Good to hey, see you. Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for being on and bringing all of the happiness with you. <laughs> Try, trying to. Happiness, happiness is there. Is it actually exists to be shared? So hopefully we can share it. Yeah, it is something that is happiness is one of those things that it's one you get one level of happiness if you if you're happy by yourself. But then if you share it with other people, it's a magnification like it really multiplies the experience. Do you do you want to say a little bit of, about what is what is your opinions around happiness and and what is your overall philosophy with it? Absolutely. Uh, and yes, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I normally say it's not about being happy, it's about being happiness. Because when you are happiness, the embodiment part of it is what really transcends. And I think that this is a good answer as well for people who say and critique a bit the, the whole space and the whole concept of happiness. You say, well, this is a private thing that um, that is for, for us and why should we be why should we have happiness as a, an outcome, as a goal? Mm. Well, actually, this is, and, and, and being international day of peace, uh, this is a very important uh, focus. Uh, and it's exactly what you said. When we focus on happiness to share it, mm. that's when we activate the power that is in it. So I think that's, and then we can go into definitions. There are so many definitions. We are talking about the state. It's a state of being, a state of mind, and it's very difficult to put words into states. Uh, we are trying to do that, and, and research does it. But from my from my point of view and on my side, and this is the way we we walk around that uh, at the World Happiness Foundation and the first is really share it. The moment we share it, that's the moment we activate the ripple effect and the benefits of it. That's beautiful. Yeah, there is a. Um... There's, I've noticed that there's levels of a commitment to a certain type of emotion. Like if you think it, it's one level. If you write it down, it's another. If you say it, it's another. If you do it with your friends, it's even another. Maybe if you all do it online with a, with a thousand people watching you, it's it's at another level. I'm not too sure, but it, it does seem like that. It does become more, more tangible. Um, do you have um, do you have like um an example of what it's like to, to be able to shift from, from wherever the person's at to getting into happiness. Like, is there, is there something that you can take people that maybe, maybe people that are listening to this aren't too happy right now. There something happened where they're, they're down. Is there, is there um, any recommendations you'd have on how to shift and actually to get into that happiness state? Absolutely. And this is, this is something that a, uh, we have to teach more because mm -hmm. once you understand the tools, the techniques, then 
it's not that difficult unless you have a big mental issue or you have something that um, uh, makes you uh, tough to to make decisions. So I'm talking about really serious mental health issues, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you have one of those, then this is this is all about technique. This is all about uh, understanding how to get there. So, for example, uh, one key element in order to help us to get to a state of happiness is self-compassion. Uh, but then we have to explain self-compassion as well. So yeah. this, this is the, the difficulty of talking about emotions and states uh, because we don't learn this at the school and, and, and we have to do it. But once you learn it, it's very, it's very, very easy. So self-compassion is another state where basically you understand struggle, suffering for others, you suffer with them you take action. So that's, those are the steps. You are aware, mm -hmm. you understand and feel it and make it yours, and then you take action. When you apply that to yourself, that's self-compassion. So when you feel that you are not in a good mood, uh -huh. you understand it, you feel it, you stay with it, you embrace it. The moment you do it and you understand that maybe it's about judgment instead of kindness, Maybe it is about isolation instead of shared humanity. Maybe it's about over-identification instead of mindfulness. That's the moment you are going to shift and you are going to be, it's a, it's a subtle mindset shift. The moment you do that shift, you get into another state. And that state is going to help you get into another state. And that state can be one of freedom, can be one of relax, of inner peace. And that state can be one of euphoria. It can be more of, oh, wow, I have to share this. Mm -hmm. It was funny. I was I was in another, I, I was in giving a, a work, running a workshop. Mm -hmm. In the workshop, there was a, somebody who raised their hand and say to all these hundreds of people, I have to share this. I just got this a note from my wife and she's saying that she's pregnant. And I'm so happy. And I want to share this with you. And suddenly you saw in the chat hundreds of comments, congratulations, congratulations. I mean, just by sharing that state with for him was um, something that created a lot of happiness in that moment, created an expansive uh, opportunity for everybody. So, but I think that self-compassion is the key. So if we are looking in this world to change something and to get into another state, evolve a state. And in this case, it could be joy, it could be happiness, it could be bliss, it could be another state. We have to start with self-compassion. That's, that's really powerful. So, I mean, touching on that, one of the things that you're talking about here is like, so you don't just, it's not like a light switch where you're just, you're angry at the world and you flip a switch and you just go, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. And then all of a sudden you're happy. That's not, that's not, there, there's a, a progressionary step process that you're talking about of first, you have to be aware that you're in that state. Then you have to accept that state. Then you have to love yourself, even though you're in that state. And then you got to just slide along that progression until you can get into there. And, that, and it could be sharing. It could be sharing the happiness that you have for some other situations or something else. But it's not just a it's just not a light. It's not a pill that you swallow. It's not a light switch that you flip. It's a it's a progressive steps that you go through 
um, if you're not there already. And, and there is that joy that people do love to celebrate together. Like if you're celebrating, um, I remember one time years ago um, when I lived with a bunch of roommates and I was trying to make Thanksgiving and I made a Thanksgiving, but I, I mistimed it. And so it was ready at like three in the morning or four in the morning. And I pulled out all the food, but there was no one there to share the Thanksgiving meal with. And I was so sad to have this amazing food, but nobody to share it with. And that's, that's kind of the, the feelings I get around this whole happiness thing is like that sensation of you need to be able to share it in order for it to be more real. Yes, and, and actually you look at the longest study ever um, commissioned on, on happiness by Harvard, 75 years, more than, probably now is more than 80 years. Um, the, the main conclusion is that in order to boost and in order to, um, to work on your happiness, you have to have meaningful relationships. So that's the one single thing. And this is very important because... And that help us to understand as well that one thing is happiness, happiness, the other thing are the activators of happiness. So you activate it the same way that you activate your anger, the same way that you activate your sadness. So there are things that create an impact on us. It's something that complicates things a bit is that we don't have the same genetics. Uh, and happiness is in our genes as well. It's not just the genes that we commonly know as uh, genes that cannot change. No, they are part of the epigenetics space as well. So we can change our genes, we know that, through our behavior, mm -hmm. but we are charged. So we are born, uh, and part of our happiness is determined already. It doesn't mean that we can change it. We have the opportunity. And for many of us, actually, that's our life purpose, uh, to to remember how to be happier, uh, but this is this is this is more into the uh, philosophy and the spirituality and the quantum uh, level. But this is important. That's that's why for some people it's like, well, this is I'm always happy and I will feel good, and it's very difficult for me not to be resilient. For other people, they cannot get out of depression. They cannot get out of a really really gloomy world, and everything is pessimistic. So this is, a, this is not like a black coffee for all and one pill with the same ingredients for everybody. That's, that's how everybody has to go through that um, process that you mentioned. In this case, uh, uh, from my research, and uh, there are especially three levels of process. One is I, I see what's going on, so I am aware. And half of the population, they don't know what's going on. They are not even aware of what's going on because we are really lost in translation. Uh, we are lost on layers that are created uh, by our parents, by our communities, our societies. But actually being aware of what's going on, this is the first step. The second level, and there are techniques in order to move above and beyond awareness. The second one is why? is this happening? So we move from the what to the why. And the why is happening is linked to mindfulness, is the, is linked to understanding and feeling why things are happening the way they are happening. And here, 90% of the population is already lost. 
uh, because we don't know why things are going on the way they are. So this is a deeper uh, level. Mm -hmm. When we go deeper, we can get into a higher state. And this is the third part of the process. The third part of the process is, what is this telling me? What is this for? It, what am I learning from this? And this is the level of transcendence. So when you get into this level of transcendence, that's the moment where you can impact hundreds and thousands of people in another level and, and to get to another state. So I think that um, we, uh, we are living in a playground. The, life is a playground. And some of us have um, more common sense than others. Yeah. Uh, and, and, we, and we can choose uh, tools, but it's, it's fun because we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. because we are in a playground. And when you're in a playground and you're not aware, you make mistakes. And if, for those who are a bit more aware, they say, how can this be possible? Uh, but the reality is that life is a playground and we, and we don't know the rules. A hundred percent agree. One of the things I always think about is like life is a game and it's more fun to play with your friends. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that's what it is. You, you, you find the people that you want to play with. And the thing, sometimes people get so serious in a game, they forget that they're playing a game and you know, everything becomes life or death. Everything becomes critical. And then there's that self-compassion element where you get so critical for something happening that you beat yourself up a thousand times that, that you, you stop having fun, which then takes the joy out of the lessons because really like if you look at the way that tigers play or other creatures play they're playing which is they're practicing their work hunting and killing other animals they are play fighting play is the act of learning something in a way that isn't so uh serious or intense so if you talked about that is that if you can be in a playful state where you go okay where am i currently at why am i here and what is the lesson from this experience and you can do that in a playful happy mindset i imagine that the process will go a lot smoother versus like i'm gonna grind my way through it through force and it's just i'm just gonna i'm gonna hate everything and it, but it's gonna you know it's gonna be it seems like um it seems like you're playing on hard mode you know it's just a more difficult process love it love it yeah. i mean keep in mind dealing that humanity mm -hmm. has the luxury of having everything that we need to play. So we have nature. We have an amazing uh, environment. We have the conditions. We have all the animals, all the flowers, all the plants. We just have to enjoy it. There is nothing else that we should be doing but enjoying it. But on the other hand, it's so yeah. cool because I don't know if you like skin, mm -hmm. but, I, but I always do the analogy of life with skin. So when you ski, uh -huh. uh, imagine you go to the mountains uh -huh. and you say, okay, I want to go skiing. Okay, you have two options. Basically, you go skiing, mm -hmm. uh, you, you get the skis, you go up to the mountain and you come down. The reality is that skiing is not easy. Skiing, you, you need the technique. Yeah. Uh, so you have two options. You do it by yourself. Or actually, you ask a coach or a guide to show you how to ski. So something that is so interesting is that so many people go skiing and they don't ask for anything. They just go up and it takes hours to come yeah. down. And most of them are injured in, yeah. the, in the way. And it's not just them. 
actually they put in danger so many other people because they don't know how to use their tools. Yeah. And the tools in that case are skis. So I think that's life. We are, we are in this life. This is a big mountain, amazing mountain. If you know the skills, you enjoy it. If you don't know the skills, then you can harm yourself and you can harm others. That's a, it's a really interesting uh, analogy. So life is like skiing. And what I would imagine, too, it's if you're not careful, any place you point your skis, you're going to go. So any place you go to, you're going to get momentum. And the trick uh, as some people that know skiing or snowboarding, uh, you can pick up momentum easy. It's the stopping and the pivoting part that is the very tricky part uh, in skiing and in life. It's like you go down the hill and you're like, oh, this is easy. Then all of a sudden it just becomes a way. But then if you don't want to go that way, it's very hard the longer you're in it to stop. It takes so much energy versus if you know how to pivot and you know how to turn then you have that ability to go down the mountain and pick and choose what routes versus just going down the big valley because it's the big valley and you know the, all all the troubles that happen along the way. So I, I really do like that example. Um, and, and Dylan, that links so well as well with so many teachings that we have from all type of religions, spirituality, which focus ignorance at the core of human suffering. So just what you say, if we don't know how to stop, if we don't know how to pivot, if we don't know how to do things in a way that could be playful and become a, a trauma, this is a big deal. This is a big deal for us. So I think that uh, let's go for wisdom. That's the first step. Um, and, and we can only get that wisdom through, uh, I mean, learning. And in this case, learning is through experience. Is more rational for some people, but it's really living, uh, living life uh, and having a, a nice guide and a nice coach that can be your friend as well, of course. That's beautiful. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. It, instructions are very helpful. I mean, you can learn the hard way um, by just going down the mountain and bruising yourself along, but it's 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 uh, it's a much more comfortable experience if someone can say, hey, I know what you're going to, that's a tree. You don't want to hit those trees. I know it looks white because snow's on it, but if you go straight ahead, you're going to hit that tree. So you just, mm, it's just my recommend. You can do whatever you want, but this is my recommendation. So one thing I want to talk about is let's, let's just back this up for a second and let's talk about your origin story. How did you, how did you get to create this, you know, future of learning this world happiness organization? Can you talk to me a bit about the genesis of it? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I live many lives, mm -hmm. uh, so far um, and at some point now i'm really connecting that uh, many things that i did in the past um, so one of the first thing i did was i was a sports coach um, i don't know you know handball european handball mm -hmm. uh, i was a handball coach for so many years i was playing but i was a coach since i was 14. Um, and you know the first thing that i love about sports is that team sports in this case, is that you can only perform if the team performs. So as a coach, you have to focus on personal goals and team goals. So you have to improve as a player yourself and you have to strengthen your strengths. Uh, and then as a team, you have to be really 
complementary to everybody else. So when you have collective goals and personal goals, that's the way you can really perform and be high performance uh, mm -hmm. as a team. So I've been doing that for, for so long. At some point, um, I was studying at the same time uh, sociology and how communities work uh, and political science and how systems work. So that was my, my focus around, okay, I really want to understand uh, from my team playing humble to my community and society, how, how, do, how do we work together? And from there, I move into a peace. So actually, I, I study a peace and conflict resolution. And, and that's uh, the Rich Central Institute in, in the United Kingdom. So I was really determined to go into, okay, now we have, because something that was happening with, with so many, uh, when we were playing, it uh -huh. was competition with these teams. Some, sometimes all these teams get into fights. So you are, you are playing, but actually you get into a fight. And I was like shocked. It's like, well, this is a game and people can hit and, and actually harm each other playing. So I think that that's, that's what was in my mind all the time. I mean, how do, I boy, how do we learn from conflicts and how do we prevent them from happen, happening? And actually, I, I, that was my second life, um, which was I was an international observer. In, in this case, Bosnia, Herzegovina, I went to the, uh, right there after the civil war. And I was um, basically coaching mayors to cast votes and to bring democracy to the elections. And, and it, was, it was amazing what I learned there because I saw the reality of war, the reality of a civil war where more than 2 million people were displaced or executed. Wow. And, and that opened my mind. I still remember I met, um, it was 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, and there was a, a long line of people waiting uh, to vote. And I saw this this woman, she was 85, I still remember her, Blikna was her name. And I went to her and I said, wow, it's, it's very early here. She said, I know, uh, I lost my family, my friends, I lost everybody I, I have. But, but I still have hope. I have hope um, to live in peace and to be happy one day again. That touched, I mean, that touched my heart so hard. Uh, and it's like... How can this all this drama happen? So I kept going deeper and deeper into the roots of suffering. And I realized that the combination of hate and fear is really a Molotov, a Molotov cocktail. That fear and hate, when you ingrain that anywhere, it works. It really works. It really works and really accelerates uh, people into spaces that they cannot control. So keep, I kept going, kept going. I, I moved into uh, then, then I, I, I moved into journalism and the corporate world. I big up big corporations, and I was always thinking, how do we how do we build communities? How do we struggle and we understand the struggle? And what do we do with that? And at some point, I say, well, there should be a platform. There should be something because. Uh, when I was the global CMO of Deloitte, it's a big consulting firm. Um, we we partner with the World Economic Forum. Uh, in Davos, is one of the largest uh, forums with CEOs. And I was there for 11 years. And I saw the power of communities. And in this case, the framework was economic growth. So everything there was framed by economic growth. 
And I realized, well, but that's not what the world wants. What the world wants is happiness. What the world wants is to be at peace. So why don't we reframe the forum and we focus on what is really important for people, which is, and I chose happiness, because that's the ultimate goal for everybody. So I think the evolution, as you see, is kind of humble coach to world happiness. Why? Because uh, we need new platforms. We need new, we need new paradigms for human progress. And it's not about economic growth. Economic growth is just one uh, goal for so many people today, because otherwise you cannot survive. Yeah. But the reality is that in new systems, you can survive without economic growth. So what are those new systems? And this is what we are exploring. But I think this is this kind of evolution. And now what we have is an amazing forum uh, for people to, to enjoy, to join, and to share how to create a new system for human progress. That's, that's beautiful. So, I mean, so just let me unpack some of this real quick. So in, in the areas of handball, team sports, right, you have something that one of the biggest challenges I think people face is how do I make growth and progress without using uh, self-hatred, without using all the negative forms of energy, uh, uh, destructive competitiveness, like, you know, encouraging, encouraging, especially in a team sport where you, you need to, you need to work like a well-oiled machine. You've got to be in group flow. There's a lot of things that you need to be able to do. And if something happens and someone breaks down or has a bad shot, it's really easy to get critical on someone else um, for the, the for the mistake, especially if you don't have self-compassion. Uh, just let me just let me just dive in this area real quick for you. So, can you talk just a little bit about um, that the how do people make progress and growth and and even in a team situation without that critical, super ne negative, destructive element of uh, criticism and, and all of that bad energy that comes along with it. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Oh, I love the question. And actually the answer separates those who get to the top of mm -hmm. every sport and every activity and those who in the end really struggle and burn out. Mm -hmm. um, I know you follow tennis, uh, but the US Open this year has been spectacular because we saw these new players uh, from 14 years old to 18 years old winning and having so much fun. It was like, I mean, just seeing them is like, okay, that's, that's the combination of performance and self-compassion. And this is, this is where now the world is. So you can go for performance, you can go for growth, you can go for double digit growth, you can go for, I want more and I need more. But if you don't link this to loving your neighbor and loving yourself, then you get into trouble. You get into greed, you get into um, over-identification, you get attached and then you burn out. And that happens at work, that happens in sports, that happens everywhere. Mm -hmm. So because I've been a, a coach for almost 18 years, I play with, I'm, and I coach so many players and so many kids because I was actually focusing on kids, eight years old kids, 
from eight to to the to the senior level. It, I mean, it's common. Those who really get to the top are the guys who really enjoy. I are, are the ones who are playing for them. That's a game. That's a real game. That's I mean, they enjoy so much that that's what they want to do. That's it. I mean, they are in flow. Yeah. And we, and you know the importance of being in flow. When you are in flow, then you don't want anything. The only thing you want is to do more and you enjoy more and improve. And you are not improving because you want to make more money. You are improving because you want to challenge yourself and to get to the next level. Then when you have your father behind and he's telling you, no, you have to train eight hours. And then you have to do this every day. And then you are going to make a living out of this. And you're going to get your scholarship because you are going to be a, a tennis player. Then that's where you get your mental health issues that we are seeing here in front of Osaka to so many other players and amazing people who are completely burned out. And then when you have a manager at work that doesn't help you expand and evolve and to get to, your, to the maximum of your potential, that's when you will burn out because 80% of people uh, leave their jobs because they don't they don't want to work with their managers. So I think this is the challenge for all of us. How do we get more conscious people? How do we get more people who understand that we have to enjoy what we do? And at some point, maybe we don't find where we fit because we are exploring and that's super fun as well. By the way, we don't have to have a purpose in life because people understand that purpose is doing something. Uh, and actually purpose is about being, just being. And, 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 and having a meaningful and purpose life is not being a fireman or being a business people, person. It's just about understanding and feeling who you are in that moment and maximizing your expansion. That's it. Uh, so it's about enjoying. I still, I love all these people who say, well, I found my purpose. Now I have to do this. And they, and then they make life miserable for everybody because they found that finally have to do what they had to do at any cost. Mm. So I think that the question is super, uh, is, is very deep. Um, and the answer lies into the relativity and the acceptance of who we are in every moment. Mm. So, so yes, uh, the, it's not easy. That's why when you get a good coach and when you get a good psychologist and when you get a good friend that is helping you guide your movement, you're blessed. That's, that's what you need. Yeah. So, I mean, just unpacking just a little bit of that, what you're talking about is you, you want to love what you're doing for the sake of the thing itself. It's great to have a purpose. It's great to have meaning and motivation. But if you put so much pressure on trying to obtain the goal, then you hate every moment along the journey, then you lose the love of the whole thing, right? So a lot of this is, is, is really about loving what you're doing in that moment. Um, there is a, uh, there's a Stoic philosophy quote. Um, I believe it's called Amor Fati. Um, Amor Fati is love the experience. Whatever is happening, love the experience. You did great. You love the experience. Uh, you lose the game. You love the experience. You know, something bad happened. So Amor Fati, just love the experience. Go through it and enjoy it. Um, I'm not a big, um, truth to be told, I'm not a big tennis player. 
Um, uh, just full disclosure on that one. Just want to address that. But um, a great book that I came across. Uh, it's an old book, but I think it's still very potent. Is the Inner Game of Tennis? Oh yeah, that's good. That's really. Yeah. Good. And I feel like that's a lot of what we're talking about here. Is that is that loving the sport without letting that critical monkey mind come in and just just ruin your party, <laughs> ruin yeah. your mind, butter. So that's 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 beautiful, and it's it's so important. It's just we just lose sight of it because you you want both. You want that meaning and purpose to keep you going, but you also want to love the moment. If you can you can make those things work. It's so powerful. How, how do you, one of the things that I've noticed and, and I would love for you to, to address and talking about is uh, a lot of people uh, confuse um, self-compassion with lowering their standards. So uh, they, they're going to commit to doing a thing. Um, let's just say they're, they're going to podcast consistently or they're going to blog on their things or, or whatever the thing might be. And they're like, oh, well, I'm self-compassionate. And then they give themselves an out. Right. And they can they equate that to self-compassion or um, I'm on a diet. I'm going to give myself a reward. And now I'm, I'm going to eat terrible um, because I want it because I because I care about myself. Can you can you talk to me? Because I think it's a really slippery slope. People confusing that self-compassion and the lowering of your standards in a certain area and, and what that really is. Do you do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, I love it. And it's, but you know, that happens because we are uh, in the space of words and we are trying to put labels uh, to things. But in this case, when we lower our standards, we're having pity of ourselves. So we are getting into the, that's the difference between compassion and pity. When you, when you, when you are in the space of pity, you regret. It's like, oh my goodness, this is happening. It shouldn't be. It, because it is, and I don't know what to do. The only, the only way I can navigate and handle this situation is by lowering my standards. And that's what, happen, what happens in sports, in life, and that's why people get into abuse. Mm. Uh, that's why people get and live with victims. Uh, because they feel this void and they feel pity. That's not self-compassion, that's pity. The difference with self-compassion is that you are not alone and you know that from the beginning. We are humanity. We share our humanity with everybody. We don't over-identify with the issue. We handle the issue by accepting it and improving it when we have to do it in a mindful way, because we know why we are feeling that way. And something especially important, we are kind to ourselves. So uh, what you describe is judging pity. When you judge pity, that's when you get into a space of downplaying. When you are in the space of kindness, and share humanity, that's when you are jumping. And that's, uh, um, it's like growth mindset of yeah. a scarcity mindset. You can say, well, the glass is half full or half empty, but if you see things moving into a direction of abundance, because that's the space where we are anyway, we are living in abundance. That's the way you can handle, handle a move out from pity and judgment. So I think this is, this is an amazing question. It's not easy, mm -hmm. but we have to go deeper into defining the space. 
-hmm. and defining how, why do I feel this void? How, how can I feel so empty? Mm. And people say, well, that's a big issue. Well, actually, that's the opportunity. When you are empty, that's the moment where you can put something in. It's not like you are going to be empty forever. So this is, this is the whole process of understanding and defining very well what we feel. That's so powerful. I, it's, a, it's an amazing mental shift that you have there. And, and, and so in the moment where you want to take the easy route, you want to, you don't want to put in that extra step, that extra effort, whatever that thing might be that you know you want to do to get you to where you want to go or whatever it might be. A great question right there is like, is this self-compassion or this self-pity, right? What is that? What is that? And then the, the another one is, is that judgment around the pity, which creates, sounds like it creates like a shame spiral. Exactly. Of not of not living up to your standards, not being good enough, not being aware enough, not being all that. And so because of that, you then create this kind of viewing yourself less than, which means you can't treat yourself with compassion because you're pitying yourself, but you're mad at yourself for pitying yourself. And that is a spiral all the way down. That's a, it's a great block. If you look at that, if you get stuck in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm going to take the easy path. And then you ask yourself that question, and then you have to be able to accept yourself for whatever decision you make and not not create a, a, uh, a world of pain that you then spread out to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, this is, but it's exactly what you say is a, yeah. it's a subtle mindset shift. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure you know about the, the origins of Aikido. Aikido is a martial yeah. art, martial yeah. art focus on not harming the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the founder of Aikido went through all the martial arts, a, and he was really sick and tired of having to kill people in order to defend themselves. That's why Aikido is born of the philosophy of peace and not harming anybody because you are playing with the other person's energy. It's all about, he found the, the movement and the circle as the way you are gonna play with the energy of others in order to defend yourself and not harm anybody. It, this is amazing because um, when you get into that state of wisdom, that's the moment where you don't care if it's pity, if it's judgment, if it's kindness, because you know that you are not gonna, you are gonna, you are not going to harm yourself, and you are not, you are not going to harm anybody. And that's the moment where you start being creative, mm. and that's the power that you're going to be using in order to move to another level. That's powerful. Yeah. So you have a, a, a this inner peace, this area inside of you that allows you to kind of just say, okay, I'm going to be centered in my peaceful state. The energy is going to come at me. I'm going to redirect it, or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use it in a, in a way that's constructive. Uh, if they're being light, I can be a reflection of the light and make it shine brighter, or I can also reflect it away. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of a power in that. And you're, and you're taking that, that uh, physical Kung Fu or uh, sport, and you're bringing it into a mental Kung Fu. I'm not too sure if Aikido is Kung Fu terminology, but... No, Aikido is an evolution of different martial arts. Different above it. Uh, yeah, but, but you know, in Kung Fu, those who really are good, they don't get into fights. They know they want the fight before they start. Mm. Because they are so smart about who their opponent is. However, Kung Fu is focused on killing you. I mean, if you see the the movements, yeah. it's, it's killing people. That's the difference when you move into Aikido. You are not going to kill anybody from the beginning. Mm. 
I mean, your principle is peace. Yeah. Your principle is showing the other person that there is another way to solve conflicts. That's why I love Aikido. And that's why I love the art of the art of peace. So you have Machiavellos out of war, mm-hmm. and then you have the whole Aikido, um, uh, Nakasari, the, the art of uh, peace. And, and that's the big difference. That's, and that actually, at some point, there are many other options. It's not duality of war or peace. I, I actually know it's not duality. They, are, they both are non-dual. But it's very important that at some point you have to choose um, into a route of non-violence or a route of violence. That's why when you get into playing you down, you are in the route of violence. Mm. When you are in the space of self-compassion, you are in the route of peace. That's beautiful. And, and I mean, it's so point, pointed. Let's talk about this then. Um, if, if happiness is the pinnacle, right? The share the greatest amount of happiness with the greatest, greatest amount of people. Let's just say that's the, that's the road where people want to get to. What are some threshold guardians along the way? What are some people, what are some things that stop people along this? Like the, like the uh, lack of self-compassion. What are a couple of other guardians that block the path to people's own happiness? Can you say a little bit more about that? Absolutely. I think that probably the second, I mean, self-compassion is, for me personally, is the first one, but there are more. Um, of course, it's ignorance. It does kind of the, the biggest uh, threshold. And it's not just knowledge or rational knowledge. It's about not being able to understand our intuition, for example. Uh, we know that intuition, and there are more and more research every day, is, is, the, is the way we can really navigate our, the world. And probably the next century will be the century of intuition. Um, but I think that we link that with ignorance, that's, that's a big one. And I think another one is linked to forgiveness and linked to generosity, giving. So when we don't give and we don't forgive, that's going to stop into us. We cannot evolve. We cannot get, there are so many people now that want to get to enlightenment. Okay, you have one enemy, you're not going to get into enlightenment. So we, forgiveness is key. And, and we know more and more and more and more that forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for us. The moment we forgive, we are healing ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you see the the trend is not going outwards, is not going into the outer world, is not changing anything outside. It's all changing in the inside, in, in our inner beings. So if we forgive, it's for us. Mm. If we give, it's for us. And if we love and we have compassion, it's for us. The moment all those conditions are in us, that's the moment we expand, we evolve, and we can trigger so much uh, love and peace around the world but that's but i would say forgive not not forgiven not given in a world that is serving something else that people don't realize is that whatever you do in the world is serving others i mean for example this podcast what are we what are you doing this because you want to spread uh, news and knowledge because you know that by doing this you are going to be helping others so you are serving the moment you don't understand that you are serving the world through this podcast, then 
you are bringing your ego and say, well, I want to be famous and I want to do this and that. And that happens with lawyers. Imagine lawyers. I mean, what, are, what, why do we have lawyers? Because they have to serve us to defend in a system with so many rules. But then you have lawyers that forget that they are serving and they attack others in order, in order, in order to, to get some uh, tangible benefits that normally is a lot of money. Yeah. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you have a waiter that is not serving you. Hey, come on. I mean, you are here because you want my meal to be amazing. Yeah. It's like a teacher that is teaching and he's not enjoying his teaching when basically the only thing he has to do is to be serve a servant teacher to the students. So if you think, I mean, you just, I mean, I challenge you and anybody, tell me one profession that is not about serving somebody. Well, actually, we are not trained to serve. We don't even know how to serve. So, um, so this is another threshold, not understanding that giving is in our nature, that we are giving all the time. So not giving, not forgiving, not being self-compassionate, uh, and of course, not sharing happiness, this is, this is a big deal. Hoarding, hoarding happiness. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me like a, a three-year-old kid trying to hold all the toys at Christmas time. Just like, just like that's not mine. It's like, it's like, is that really bringing happiness? Is that are you really happy with all those toys? Is it <laughs> yesterday I was I was at the beach with with a kid, seven years old. Yeah. He's a, one of my friends' uh, kids. And we were this blue moon, I mean full moon, amazing. Mm. And we were basically there. And we start talking. He and his language is Roblox. So Roblox, yeah. Yeah. of course, you gaming, blah. But he's seven. We start talking about Roblox, and because he saw that I knew about Roblox, he saw his face. He was like, "Oh, I like this." And he started talking about it. And then in the end, he was, "I'm a god. I'm a god in this game." <laughs> and he was like, "All over. I'm a god. I'm so good at this and that." So imagine this kid holding his his happiness with somebody. It's impossible. Yeah, there is there is something about that magical connection that people have. Like if you're passionate about something and you find out that someone else is passionate about it and you can share those passions, it is so fun. It is such a wonderful, especially like weird, odd, like Roblox. If you're like, because he looks at you, he's like, he's like, you're old. You're an old guy. You don't like Roblox. You don't know anything about my world. But then you can have that dialogue. You you basically build a bridge into someone's heart, you know, through that whole experience. What uh, yes. do I, I want to talk about? This uh, we, we we talked about a couple of these different ones, but I want to dive into in, into this one. You talked about the ignorance of understanding your own intuition. All right? Can you can you say a little? Because I think that's actually a really powerful uh, thing that might be glossed over by a lot of people. Um, that people might understand forgiveness and generosity, but that I think you touched on something very powerful there, the, uh, the ignorance of, of, of not understanding your own intuition. Can you say more about that? It is a big deal, but this is, but you know, 80% or more of the population is not ready to even understand uh, what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't mean that, I mean, uh, that we are having this dialogue uh, and, and, and we think that it's not going to change. No, it's, 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 it's going to change. But the reality is that since we are born 
we are blocking in many ways the, the listening to the signals part, uh, because intuition is listening with our heart. Heart, we have to say a word, but then it's really our mind. It's really our being. Okay, so it's heart, but it's being, it's our mind, is basically our consciousness. Because consciousness is everything all the time. And this is very difficult to understand as well. So when we get, when we when we are in the space of intuition, we are in the space of um, energy connected in so many ways. And we are not getting to intuition by using our brain. We are getting into intuition by not doing anything. It's by, by being in silence. Um, I was last week uh, uh, with Deepak Chopra. Um, we, we had a gathering and I asked him, uh, well, I'm interviewing many of the gurus in the world, probably now over the last six years, I, I've been with most of them. Who do you think is somebody that people should follow? Uh, and he waited a couple of seconds and he says, silence. Hmm. Okay, that's intuition. Because in silence, that's when we connect. We are already connected, but that's, that's when we become aware of our subconscious and unconscious. So that's the moment where we get access to that level of frequencies where everything is is. So we know that now we are doing a streaming because at least we have a, a bandwidth of a four megapixels. Um, but the world has unlimited bandwidth. We don't know how to get to the to the bandwidth yet. So we are learning how to tap into unlimited ba bandwidth. Intuition is is the key to unlimited bandwidth. Uh, and and when we get when we get there, that's amazing because when you have unlimited bandwidth, what do you have? You have everything. Yeah. When you have everything. The only thing maybe we don't have the processor. It's like computer. I mean, you can have a good Wi-Fi, but the processor in your computer is not big enough, so you don't yeah. you cannot manage it. So this is what is happening right now to hum humanity. We are getting into unlimited bandwidth with a big in this case with the small processors mm. so this is the opportunity so what's interesting is i mean if you look at this so like unpacking this and saying okay one of the issues is that so it, the, the threshold guardians that are stopping people from getting to where they want to go so one is you, you you don't love yourself you don't have self-compassion right the other ones is you have a heavy heart because you're not forgiving other people which means you can't forgive yourself right? You're not being generous. So you can't view yourself in that light. And then the other one, it sounds like without allowing space for the silence, you, you won't give yourself a chance to listen. And even if you do listen, you don't trust the voice within, right? And so it sounds like those things are the compounding factors. You don't, you don't love yourself. You don't forgive yourself. You don't give yourself space and you don't trust yourself, which makes it very difficult to have that intuition 
and to be able to take those steps forward that you you know you need to take that maybe you block out. And is am I hearing correctly on what those threshold guardians kind of are that are preventing people from kind of opening up and filling all of all of the um, unlimited bandwidth and happiness that's out there? Yeah, that's um, that's spot on. Uh, and then we can go into, for example, something that I that I feel are three in, very important, probably, and for me, probably the most important components of getting into a space of what I call fundamental peace. It's a space of unlimited bandwidth, and we get it. We get in there, and we tap into it, and we use it for. Uh, for the world, to serve the world, is being free, having freedom. Mm. Uh, and in this case, it's freedom to be. Is being free from fears, but it's really free to get into space of not doing, not talking. Is Freedom is so important. And so many people don't feel free because they attach and the attachment to fear is the main reason normally uh, so i think the space of freedom is is from is, is is driving us into the sweet sweet spot together with consciousness and consciousness in this case define as expanding the understanding that it's all about everything all the time is the whole so this is the space of consciousness, is moving from awareness to transcendence through mindfulness. And then the third component is happiness. And happiness is there to be shared. So the moment you start with that freedom, consciousness, happiness, and you find a sweet spot, that's the moment where we can really transform ourselves to transform what we don't like in the world. That's so powerful and it's beautiful. Um, let me ask you, in, what's your holy grail that, uh, in terms of the, the the World Happiness Foundation, do you have a holy grail um, goal, a flag you want to plant in the sand to say, like, I've, I've completed my mission? Is there something that you you hold to be true? I'm, I'm laughing because I, hopefully we'll complete the mission, but I'm not sure, uh, because we want everybody happier by 2050. So it's basically our our moonshot is yeah. 10 billion happy by 2050, which is the whole population of the world by 2050, if we don't have more COVID and so on. So I think that basically what we say, I mean, may all beings be happy. Mm -hmm. That's that's the big deal. And then what happens if we don't get there? Well, I don't I don't personally care because I'm going to be doing my best. <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy, enjoy the, the journey. So I want to win the US Open, yes. If I don't win the US Open, I'm sure I'm going to have fun. I, I'm going to have fun. You're going to enjoy the journey. In, in the journey. It would but be really, it'd be really no, funny. If, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but then, I mean, I'm, I've been in the corporate world. So I know what having uh, goals is and I know what having means is. So in this case, uh, we have a theory of, theory of change. And the theory of change, because we are non-for-profit, is truly based on how do we get to 25 million so people. 
And we have divided those 25 million into three main audiences. We are talking about teachers, mm. uh, health professionals, and leaders at the corporate level and at the government level. So we want to focus on 8 million, 7 million, 7 million 8 million of people that the moment they are able to impact in their lifetime in 400 people, you get to 10 billion because that's gonna be the ripple effect. We all know about exponentiality because of COVID. And so now we don't have to explain uh, how do we move from one case of COVID to more than uh, 50 million. We don't have to explain that. Uh, and that's the theory of change. So I think the big goal is everybody, all beings, be happy then in the meantime, let's have, let's have fun. So you wanna make the virus of happiness. You want to, yeah, you want to just spread the virus happiness and infect everybody uh, with a with this positivity, which is which is beautiful, wonderful, uh, um, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you're teaching the teachers or you're teaching the health professionals or you're, you're basically um, training the trainers in the areas of helping them get better, and then they could disseminate it outwards. So if you you don't need to focus on all 10 billion, you just focus on the small population that then can affect the 10 billion, and then it spreads from there. So you're kind of hitting those center points. Uh, that's that's incredible. Let me ask you, what is, what do you think is your dragon that you need to defeat? What is the thing that is preventing you from your holy grail that might seem too big and that you don't know if you're able to, to actually beat it? Is there, is there a dragon that stands out to you that you need to defeat? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I think that I see one big dragon here and is the attachment to suffering. There's so many people, so many people that cannot live without suffering and drama. Man, so. that's so good. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on, on top of this on this bandwagon. You're absolutely right because there is there is this righteous indignation of you don't know how hard I've had it. You don't know you like they hold on it like like it's their it's like a little treasure box of of pain that they hold on to they're like you don't know how hard it was for me to acquire this so i'm not going to let this thing go and i'm going to keep this thing because i've i've earned it and i and i deserve this unhappiness there is this that that attachment to suffering and when you said that totally rang true that whole feeling of like people just going but but I'm right. And you're like, well, do you, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? They're like, but I'm right. And they just, they hold, they have that attachment. Um, please continue. Sorry, it, 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 it hit a bell for me. So I I just I had to run with it, but please talk. No, 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 no. I love it. I love it because that's, that's exactly it. Mm. But then something important is that we have to understand what's really going on in the world. And and today, I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in the U.S., but just in Texas, there are 16,000 people waiting at the border with nothing to get a living. We have millions of refugees around the world. Every day, 22 veterans kill themselves. We have the largest pandemic of loneliness in the world. So I think that we cannot underestimate so much suffering going on in the world. What we really have to understand is that even 
with so much suffering, you don't attach to that suffering, you don't suffer. So, and you become more creative, you understand, and you, if you don't understand unless you are open enough to listen to your intuition through silence. So even in the worst situation, we can do something. But what is true, because there is so much pressure from this society to win, to be the winner, to have more, all these people who cannot play the system get completely out of the system. And when you are out of the system, you are out. And we cannot live in a world where people are out. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. The pandemic of loneliness. Man, I've got some headlines for this thing. Uh, I love it. And uh, this has been incredible. Is there is there anything else um, you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how they can get a hold of you? No, I think that was fantastic. <laughs> they can, we can pick on something. The only thing I would say is that um, share and, and give uh, with your heart. That's that's the beginning of fundamental change. Beautiful. Uh, totally agree. And if people want to find out more about you and the foundation that you run, how do they do that? Yeah, basically, easy worldhappiness.foundation. Um, dot foundation. So it's not, it's just like that. A World Happiness Health Foundation. And then please join us to celebrate March 20th because it looks incredible, but actually we managed to create an International Day of Happiness with the United Nations nine years ago. And it's in the calendar, it's official calendar. Oh, and actually, it's, awesome. the it's the beginning of the spring for yeah. many people and autumn for others. But it's, uh, it's one day of celebration. We celebrate World Happiness Day and we're hoping it's week. And there is where we get everybody around the world. There are more than 2 million institutions working for good in the world. 2 million institutions. Wow. Millions and millions of caregivers, millions and millions of people really working for good. And that week, uh, we have a big party everywhere. So we, we invited to join and to share your your skills to basically share with somebody else. Um, so you can find all the information on our website, World Happiness Foundation. World Happiness Foundation. What a, what a beautiful gift to share with the world is a day of happiness, March twentieth. Uh, block it out of the calendar. Uh, call in sick. Say you're, 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 you're sick of sadness and suffering. You're going to get rid of that and you're moving on to happiness. So, uh, Luis, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you being on, uh, doing all that you do. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And I, I, just, I just honor the work that you do. So uh, thank you so much. Have a, have a beautiful rest of your day. And I will see you in another reality. Thank you, Dylan. You're, you're amazing. You too, brother. Thank you so much, Luis. Have a beautiful day. Take care. We'll see you on the other side. Right, bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.